the line between disinformation and misinformation is not always an easy one to find. Mm. Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective. Or, for the most part, it's, it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. It can happen quickly. A Marshall-type plan, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that can go into effect uh, can stimulate a change very quickly. The distrust relates to the health system more generally. A step up from the part of the government on enforcement actions against fake news. I think a couple of things we have to consider are, even before this began, the anti-vaccine movement was very strong, and this is something specifically through social media that has spread. Welcome to Event 201. Hi everyone, I'm Spiro, and what you just witnessed were highlights from Event 201, which took place in New York City on October 18th, 2019. Event 201 is a high-level pandemic exercise hosted by the John Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, in this report, I will play several clips from Event 201, but I will provide the links below so you can see the pandemic exercise in its entirety, which is nearly five hours if you wish to do so. I personally watched every second of it. Now, I believe that this report is directly connected to my recent report on global institutions and governments which are currently pimping the United Nations Climate Agenda program, which seeks to consolidate political and economic power into the hands of the ruling elite. That report is titled The UN and Central Banks, a Rockefeller and Rothschild Coup. And the follow-up to that report, exposing how George Soros is actively bankrolling campaigns to censor content creators on YouTube, which question the legitimacy of the man-made climate change which in my view, based on my research, is nothing more than a false pretext for global regulations, global taxations, consolidation of power and natural resources, in addition to population control and global governance. Now back to Event 201. I find this extremely fascinating because this pandemic simulation exercise of the coronavirus took place about six weeks before the first illness from the coronavirus was actually reported in Wuhan, China. Now that is one hell of a coincidence if you ask me I'm not sure if you believe in that sort of thing. I have a hard time believing in coincidences. Another fascinating connection is the fact that not only did Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation participate in and help set up the pandemic simulation of the coronavirus outbreak, they also just so happened to fund the group, the very group who owns the patent to the deadly coronavirus and are already working on a vaccine to solve the current crisis. Again, an incredible coincidence, I know. Now, the members of the Emergency Epidemic Board in this simulation consist of representatives from major banks, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johnson & Johnson, logistical powerhouses, the media, as well as officials from China and Americans' Center for Disease Control, just to name a few. Now, this simulation also includes news reports, which were fabricated just for this exercise. Uh, please keep that in mind because they are eerily similar to reports we are currently seeing regarding the real-world coronavirus outbreak. Now, in the spirit of transparency, I have edited some of the clips only due to time restraints to shorten them. After all, this, this exercise lasted between four and five hours, so I condensed as much of the material as I could. Now, let's take a quick look at how this simulation began. Hello, everyone. I'm Anita Cicero, Deputy Director of the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. And today, I will be your Master of Ceremonies for Event 201. 
On behalf of our center and our partners, the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the goal of the Event 201 exercise is to illustrate the potential consequences of a pandemic and the kinds of societal and economic challenges it would pose. Today's scenario is going to simulate meetings of a multi-stakeholder group called the Pandemic Emergency Board. This board has been urgently convened by the World Economic Forum, and Johns Hopkins has been asked to moderate the board meetings and provide expertise during the board's deliberations. The mission of the Pandemic Emergency Board is to provide recommendations to deal with the major global challenges arising in response to an unfolding pandemic. The board's recommendations are aimed at top decision makers in national governments, global business, and international organizations. The scenario you will be presented with this morning could easily become one <clears throat> a shared reality uh, one day. I fully expect uh, that we will be confronted by a fast-moving, highly lethal pandemic of a respiratory pathogen. It began in healthy-looking pigs months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. Gradually, farmers started getting sick. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care, many died. At first, the spread was limited to those with close contacts, healthcare personnel, coworkers, and families. But now, it's spreading rapidly throughout local communities. International travel has turned local epidemics into a pandemic spanning the globe. Just three months ago, caps started in South America, but has now reached several countries with more than 30,000 cases and nearly 2,000 deaths. Now, this pandemic simulation was broken up into five segments, ranging from transportation and trade to communications and continuity of infrastructure. Some of the most shocking material is in segment four regarding communications. Let's take a quick look. Again, this is a simulation of a coronavirus outbreak which took place only six weeks before the actual coronavirus outbreak. Global health experts have highlighted that dis and misinformation are wreaking havoc on the CAPS response. Health workers are under attack in a number of locations due to rumors that they are purposely spreading the disease. And response efforts in many places have had to be suspended because of concerns around violence. Pharmaceutical companies are being accused of introducing the CAPS virus so they can make money on drugs and vaccines and have seen public faith in their products plummet. Unrest due to false rumors and divisive messaging is rising and is exacerbating, exacerbating spread of the disease as levels of trust fall and people stop cooperating with response efforts. This is a massive problem, one that threatens governments and trusted institutions. National governments are considering or have already implemented a range of interventions to combat misinformation. Some governments have taken control of national access to the internet. Others are censoring websites and social media content. And a small number have shut down internet access completely to prevent the spread of misinformation. Penalties have been put in place for spreading harmful falsehoods, including arrests. Alarming news emerging from social media companies today about the CAPS pandemic. Twitter and Facebook are reporting they've identified and deleted a disturbing number of accounts dedicated to spreading disinformation about the outbreak. 
For more on this, we go to our correspondent, Catalina Parks. Chen, these accounts were created by several state-sponsored groups intending to sow political discord, and some individuals are seemingly seeking to gain financial advantages. Violence against healthcare workers and minority populations has been increasing. A recent riot highlights the real danger in these posts. Countries are reacting in different ways as to how best to manage the overwhelming amounts of dis and misinformation circulating over the internet. In some cases, limited internet shutdowns are being implemented to quell panic. How much control of information should there be? And by whom? And how can false information be effectively challenged? And what if that false information is coming from companies or from governments? We're at a moment where the social media platforms have to step forward and recognize the moment to assert that they're a technology platform and not a broadcaster is, is over. Um, they, in fact, have to be a participant in broadcasting accurate information and partnering with the scientific and health communities to counterweight, if not flood the zone, of accurate information because to, try to put the genie back in the bottle of the misinformation and disinformation is nigh impossible. One thing we haven't spoken about, and I'm wondering whether it's time to talk about this, is uh, a step up from the part of the governments on enforcement actions against fake news. My team has been monitoring the public response um, and on various social media channels and cable networks there has been uh, some conspiracy theories that are around about uh, the potential that pharmaceutical companies or the UN have released this for their own benefit. So as we move forward, obviously trust in pharmaceuticals and government is very important at this moment. And so as we okay. move forward uh, with developing the right um, scenarios, we have to make sure that the public communication is a, is a major part of that okay. because of these conspiracy theories. As you can see, the subject of dominating and controlling information is a top priority. While I understand that fake news is and can be very dangerous and damaging, we must keep in mind that governments and the media have an extensive track record of dishonesty and selling outright lies to the public all of the time. Now, In this simulation, the Pandemic Emergency Board goes on to decide that a centralized source of information led by the World Health Organization, which falls under the United Nations, is the only way to ensure that they can control information in order to combat fake news, misinformation, and disinformation. Now that means news reports like this one, which counter the official story, warning that a deadly virus could potentially escape a level 4 biolab in Wuhan, China, and cause an outbreak is possible. And wouldn't you know it, another coincidence. Huh. Yeah, the city of Wuhan, China is the same city where this level 4 biolab is located and appears to be ground zero of this real-world coronavirus outbreak. And currently millions of people are under quarantine as this virus is reportedly spread to more than 10 countries. Now I urge everyone to please take all this information in with a grain of salt from every source, whether it's this channel or from your sold-out corporate media. Please do your own research. I do not have any vested interests. This channel is not monetized, so I do not profit financially or in any way, really. I do this on my own time. I have a busy life, but this is my passion, and this is what I do. Now, like any good detective, one must always ask, who stands to gain from this? Is this all just a coincidence, or is there something else going on? Now, sadly, channels like mine and many others probably will not be around for too much longer, so please be sure to follow me on alternative sites like BitChute, where I post all my videos. I'm also on Twitter, for how long is anybody's guess, so I set up an account on Gab. 
Now, both BitChute and Gab both pride themselves on not censoring content. You can also find my work at ActivistPost.com. Uh, please share this report far and wide. For now, I will leave you with another couple clips from this pandemic simulation. I'm Spiro. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned for more. I do think that there needs to be a, sort of an honest broker, a centralized command and control uh, organization that really brings together the public-private sector, both on a global approach and also on a local approach. Be Thank you. Yes, I agree. And I wanted to speak to the point about having the honest broker. And I think in this regard, the United Nations fits the bill. I think a, a complementary uh, tactic, too, is to, to tap faith-based organizations <clears throat> and civil society and other institutions to recruit them also to, to, to basically, almost at a grassroots level, continue to, to basically have the integrity of, of the information. It's important that uh, the UN and WHO remain very clear. But when they challenge governments directly, they often get into this issue of, of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important not to have that as the only response. I think it's really critical to think about soft uh, uh, power influence. As important background for this discussion, we want to start the meeting by viewing this news story that just aired on Global News Network. Continuing our coverage of the newly discovered CAPS disease and the scope of its deadly outbreaks, there are now more than 30,000 reported cases. Experts warn this may be just the beginning of a global problem. GNN science reporters have produced a video about what we know so far about CAPS, the virus, the outbreak, and the resulting chaos. CAPS is a novel coronavirus related to those viruses that caused the frightening SARS epidemic in 2003 and the deadly MERS outbreaks in recent years. Scientists think each infected person in turn infects on average two more people. This disease is proving more transmissible than SARS or MERS and about as contagious as influenza. Essentially, the cumulative number of cases is doubling every week. At this rate, we can expect to see 16 times as many cases in a month unless we find a way to interrupt transmission. The virus appears to be spreading rapidly in densely populated and impoverished neighborhoods in some megacities in South America. CAPS is a serious respiratory disease. More than half of the recognized cases have required hospital care, creating a huge strain on healthcare systems. The fatality rate is about 10%. For comparison, CAPS is about as lethal as SARS and two to four times more lethal than the 1918 influenza pandemic, the worst pandemic on record. Even so, some people only exhibit mild flu-like symptoms, not requiring treatment in a hospital. Alarmingly, those people are able to walk around and spread the virus, not realizing they are doing so. Even worse, international travelers have been arriving at their destinations symptom-free, but within a matter of hours, becoming ill. Travel-related cases have blossomed into outbreaks in a number of locations and have quickly grown faster than health authorities could respond and contain them. In other places, physicians have quickly recognized the symptoms of CAPS and have been able to isolate infected individuals and avoid an outbreak, for now. 
Global public health experts are very concerned about this disease. Because it appears the virus is readily transmitted through the air from person to person, essentially all people are susceptible. Experts agree unless it is quickly controlled, it could lead to a severe pandemic, an outbreak that circles the globe and affects people everywhere. Models developed by leading public health authorities indicate a CAPS pandemic could lead to an outcome worse than the 1918 influenza, which killed 50 to 100 million people worldwide. Given the global population is four times larger than it was in 1918, if these models prove accurate, we could be looking at hundreds of millions of deaths over the next year or two. The outcome of the CAPS pandemic in event 201 was catastrophic. 65 million people died in the first 18 months. The outbreak was small at first and initially seemed controllable, but then it started spreading in densely crowded and impoverished neighborhoods of megacities. From that point on, the spread of the disease was explosive. Within six months, cases were occurring in nearly every country. The global economy was in a free fall the GDP down 11%. Stock markets around the world plummeted between 20 and 40% and headed into a downward cycle of fear and low expectation. Businesses were not borrowing, banks were not lending. Everyone was just hoping to hunker down and weather the storm. Economists say the economic turmoil caused by such a pandemic will last for years, perhaps a decade. The societal impacts, the loss of faith in government, the distrust of news, and the breakdown of social cohesion could last even longer. The line between disinformation and misinformation is not always an easy one to find. Mm. Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective. Or, for the most part, it's, it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. It can happen quickly, a Marshall-type plan, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that can go into effect uh, can stimulate a change very quickly. The distrust relates to the health system more generally. A step up from the part of the government on enforcement actions against fake news. I think a couple of things we have to consider are, even before this began, the anti-vaccine movement was very strong, and this is something specifically through social media that has spread. Welcome to Event 201. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.